Hello and welcome to the Dr. Jones Podcast. This is episode 79. In today's podcast, we're talking about natural heartworm prevention and treatment. Can magnesium reduce seizure frequency in dogs and cats? Five benefits and uses of castor oil for our animals and us. The podcast, Veterinary Secrets, is on all your favorite podcast apps, including iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. I'd sure appreciate it if you would subscribe to my podcast and leave a review. Lastly, I encourage you to get a copy of my free book. It's at veterinarysecrets.com forward slash news. I hope that you and all of your friends, family, including those important non-human members, are doing well dealing with this pandemic. Will this end? Yes. When will we be back to normal? I don't know. It's a new virus. We have evolving vaccines, new treatments, and fast diagnostic tests. But this is all going to take some time. In the interim, do what you can to keep you and your dogs and cats healthy. Good nutrition? That goes without saying. Real food being better. As in less crappy processed stuff for me, less kibble for your pets. Adequate sleep. My animals are pretty good with this. Me, not so much. Regular exercise. Well, this is one big perk of social distancing. I'm running every day, as well as my dog Tula. She's running with me as well. Murray, my cat, he's not a big believer and he catches up in his sleep. Mental health. It's helping me by starting out by reading less headlines, focusing on what I can control, reading about possible treatments, and I've now started with the Headspace meditation and mindfulness app. And lastly, I'm trying to focus on positive relationships, my pets, family, close friends. I have a phone and now I have more time on my hands. My dog and cat, they both seem pretty mentally well right now with all this attention. Supplements, well, aside from eating well, I'm taking a few regular supplements myself that I feel are important for immune health that may play a role in preventing and treating infectious respiratory disease. I'm consuming daily probiotics, yogurt, essential fatty acids and fiber in the form of ground flax. I'm taking an elderberry supplement twice daily. It's a great antioxidant and it can aid in preventing and treating respiratory disease with studies to back it. For your dogs and cats, while I don't see them at risk for COVID-19, but they still are at risk for an array of different dog and cat diseases. You know, I really think it's important that you consider a quality immune supportive supplement, especially in light of this pandemic and decreased access to veterinary care. A good option, in my opinion, are my supplements. You know, my dog supplement at thedogsupplement.com and my cat supplement at thecatsupplement.com. Now let's get right into today's podcast, heartworm medication. Is it really needed? Heartworm disease, it's a very potentially serious disease and it sounds very ominous. You know, what could be worse than the parasitic disease of the heart? Um, the American Heartworm Society, they produced an infographic showing that what percent of dogs leave the clinic without a heartworm preventive? It's over 65%. But do dogs really need to be on this preventive? You know, and this is one of the more common questions I, was, I get asked by pet owners. Does my dog really need to be on a conventional preventive medication? More often than not, most clients are told only one thing, to give their dog a monthly heartworm preventive. So what do you need to know about heartworm? Well, it's a parasitic worm infecting mostly dogs. Yes, all internal parasites can be harmful to your pet. Heartworm is especially serious. The worms mainly affect the lung arteries and clinical signs are associated with damage to the lungs and then the heart. Heartworm is spread by mosquitoes. Not all mosquitoes carry heartworm, but when an infected mosquito bites your dog, it can transfer larvae to the animal's tissues. The worms require development in the mosquito at temperatures above 27 degrees Celsius, that's 80 degrees Fahrenheit. 
below 14 degrees Celsius or 57 degrees Fahrenheit, development cannot occur and the cycle will be halted. If the temperature is warm enough and the heartworm larvae progresses to being infective, they can then infect another dog. These larvae then migrate through the body until they reach the animal's heart and lungs. There the adult worms will grow. They can grow to 70 to 110 centimeters long and cause a great deal of damage to the heart and the lungs. Dogs show no sign of an infection with heartworm during the first six months. The first signs include a cough, especially after exercise. As the disease advances, signs can include fainting, pronounced coughing, syncope, crackles in the lungs, a general weakness, and heart failure. In serious cases of heartworm disease, it can lead to sudden death. Most, but certainly not all, holistic veterinarians consider the use of pharmaceutical preventives to be less harmful than a heartworm infection. What you need to be aware of is the incidence of heartworm in your area and whether or not your pet really is at risk of acquiring heartworm disease. For example, in Canada, the area where I'm living, heartworm is very difficult to acquire and usually not fatal. It's far less than the dire warnings and marketing claims of many of the heartworm preventive companies. For heartworm to be transmitted to your pet, you need to be needs to be the correct temperature for a long enough period of time, the right climate, and the correct species and sex of mosquito. You should also be considering some of the medication side effects. Most of the conventional heartworm preventives are relatively safe, but there are now concerns about heartworm resistance. We have used the same medication for so long that some of the microfilaria are no longer susceptible. You know, this has then led to newer generation heartworm medications, such as ProHeart, but it has its own issues and serious side effects. Some of these include severe allergic reactions, anaphylaxis, facial swelling, itching, difficulty breathing, collapse, lethargy, not eating or losing interest in food, seizures, vomiting or diarrhea with or without blood, weight loss, pale gums, increased thirst or urination, weakness, bleeding, bruising, rare instances of death. This product was voluntarily withdrawn from the market in 2004 because of deaths, but has since been reintroduced. So what about holistic heartworm prevention? And yes, with that dire warning, that actually comes uh, from the label listing uh, potential side effects of ProHeart. So it makes you one, you should be considering some holistic heartworm preventive options and just understanding you know, how does your, how would a dog get heartworm in the first place? It would be from a mosquito biting a dog that's infected with heartworm. It's got circulating microfilaria, and then it matures in that mosquito. Then that mosquito bites your dog, continuing the cycle. So you need to be thinking about things that you can do to help your dog's uh, natural immune system and ultimately preventing heartworm in the first place. So in my opinion, I think first you should be avoiding any unnecessary vaccines. You need to be keeping your dog's immune system healthy. Avoid repeated uses of steroids or conventional antibiotics. Provide excellent nutrition by feeding quality natural brands of dog food, home diets, and raw food. Ensure that the diets include certain nutraceuticals that help prime the immune response. You know, things such as essential fatty acids, probiotics, colostrum. Practice excellent mosquito control. For this is the insect that's spreading the heartworm in the first place. I've had some really good success using a natural mosquito repellent that contains cedarwood oil. As well, I produced a YouTube video on how to make your own natural flea repellent. To see that video, just go to youtube.com forward slash veterinary secrets. That'll bring you up to my YouTube channel and then search for my natural flea repellent spray. Regular testing. This is inexpensive and it is important that if you're in an area where heartworm exists, especially if you're not giving the preventive medication. Heartworm testing is very relatively cheap to do and it can be done right in the clinic. 
Consider using natural alternatives when possible. This may mean things such as no-sos and herbal supplements, while also having your dog tested for heartworm. This is best under the guidance of a holistic veterinarian. My thoughts on conventional use of monthly heartworm preventives are this. If you are in a high-risk area, use the conventional preventives, but for as short as duration as possible, i.e. when the conditions really exist to transmit the disease. Use the lowest effective dose of the preventives. You can also follow up the conventional medications with liver-supported products such as milk, thistle, and vitamin E. If you live in an area with little to no risk of heartworm, consider no use of conventional medication. Can magnesium supplementation reduce seizures in dogs? Well, this comes from a paper where they're actually questioning and postulating that magnesium supplementation can reduce seizures in people. The abstract says that magnesium is required for over 300 enzyme systems and is critical for many cellular functions. Studies suggest that the modern Western diet and lifestyle may lead to magnesium deficiency, and this appears to be associated with a wide range of medical conditions. Magnesium deficiency decreases seizure thresholds in animal models of epilepsy, and indeed, low magnesium concentration is a common method of generating spontaneous seizures. Some studies have shown that people with epilepsy have lower magnesium levels than people without epilepsy. There are case reports of seizures being controlled with magnesium supplementation in people with specific conditions. And in a recent open randomized trial, children with a type of seizures best responded to certain treatments that included magnesium. In this paper, they are hypothesizing that magnesium supplementation can reduce seizures in people with epilepsy and the very same thing, it may reduce seizures in our dogs with epilepsy. It's inexpensive and it's safe to give it appropriate doses. It's used for people as a sleep aid, so it can also calm your hyperactive dog. It is also used as a laxative at higher doses, so starts. Magnesium is also used as a laxative at higher doses, so start slowly. Here are some suggested doses, and you're dosing with magnesium citrate. Um, it's a 400 milligram tablets. A dose for a 0 to 10 kilo uh, animal would be one capsule per two, every two days. A dose for an animal that's 10 to 20 kilos, one capsule per day. And a dose for an animal that's over 20 kilos, two capsules per day. The five benefits and uses of castor oil for pets. What is castor oil? It's a multi-purpose vegetable oil that people have been using for thousands of years. It's made by extracting oil from the seeds of a plant called the Ricinus communis or the castor bean. These seeds, which are known as castor beans, contain a toxic enzyme called ricin. However, the heating process that castor oil undergoes deactivates it, allowing the oil to be used safely. Castor oil has a number of medicinal, industrial, and pharmaceutical uses. It's commonly used as an additive in foods, medications, and skincare products, as well as being used as an industrial lubricant and biodiesel fuel component. In ancient Egypt, Castor oil was burned as a fuel in lamps, used as a natural remedy to treat ailments like eye irritation, and even given to pregnant women to stimulate labor. So what about how can we consider using it today and how can this potentially benefit our dogs and cats? First, it can be a very powerful laxative. And I think for many of you, that's what you know it as. Yeah, it's being used as a laxative in people. It's classified as a stimulant laxative meaning that it increases the movement of the muscles that push material through the intestines, helping clear the bowels. It acts very rapidly, and it's commonly used to relieve temporary constipation. 
It's broken down in the small intestine, re releasing an acid called ricinoleic acid, the main fatty acid in castor oil. It's then absorbed by the intestine, stimulating a strong laxative effect. Several studies have shown that can effectively re relieve constipation. It's considered safe in small doses, but larger amounts can cause abdominal cramping, nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. We're looking at dog and cat doses. It's very meant to be short-term, and a pretty standard dose would be about half a teaspoon of castor oil for 20 pounds of body weight twice daily. The human dose is one tablespoon. Number two, it can be used to help the skin uh, and allergic skin disease. Well, first, castor oil is rich in that type of uh, fatty acid called ricinoleic acid. It's a monounsaturated fatty acid. These types of fats act as humectants and they can be used to moisturize the skin. Humectants retain moisture by preventing water loss through the outer layer of the skin. And when we start talking about our dogs with allergies, that's one of the big key. It's that external layer of the skin is damaged. It allows al allergens to penetrate into the skin and that's how we get this like on huge ongoing cycle of itching and scratching and further uh, damage to the, that surface of the skin. So one of the big things now in veterinary medicine is doing whatever we can to rebuild that external skin layer. And this is one real good natural option, castor oil. It's being used for people and cosmetics to promote hydration and is often added to products like lotions. But it can also be used as a really good option for our dogs and cats. Because as you can imagine, you can apply it topical to the skin. It can be acting as this natural humectant, helping retain moisture, help like rebuild that damaged skin layer. Um, you can combine it with other oils. Coconut oil is one that comes to mind that would make a really good ultra hydrating moisturizer. It can make a really big difference for our serious allergic dogs. So if your dog has especially some localized areas of skin inflammation, especially as it's secondary to an allergy, you really should be considering using castor oil topically. Number three, you can help promote wound healing. Applying castor oil to wounds creates a moist environment that promotes healing and prevents sores from drying out. There's one popular ointment called Valinex, and it's been used in clinical settings to treat wounds, and it contains a mixture of castor oil and Peru balsam. Castor oil stimulates tissue growth so that a barrier can be formed between the wound and the environment, decreasing the risk of infection. It can also reduce dryness and cornification, the buildup of dense skin cells that can delay wound healing. Studies have found that ointments containing castor oil may be especially helpful in healing pressure ulcers, a type of wound that develops from prolonged pressure on the skin. And that's interesting because often we'll get these dogs and get these uh, long-standing pressure ulcers especially on the outside of their, their, their elbows. We think of these bigger dogs, you know, think of your big lab, and he, keep, and he just insists on lying on the hardwood floor. They can get these really nasty wounds, uh, especially on their elbows, and this would be an awesome option. And often it starts out with this really thickened or cornified skin. So I, I was never aware of that. It's a great option if you've got a dog uh, with any type of ulcer or that really thick sort of skin buildup on the outside of their elbows. Uh, one study here looked at the wound healing effects of an ointment containing castor oil in almost a thousand nursing home residents and they and they and those that had they had pressure ulcers those whose wounds were treated with castor oil experienced higher healing rates and shorter healing times than those who were treated with other methods number four it's got some really impressive anti-inflammatory effects and, and it could be considered as a natural arthritis treatment Tricinoleic acid, the main fatty acid found in castor oil, has impressive anti-inflammatory properties. 
Studies have shown that when castor oil is applied topically, it reduces inflammation and relieves pain. The pain-reducing and anti-inflammatory qualities of castor oil may be particularly helpful to those with an inflammatory disease, such as rheumatoid arthritis or psoriasis. Then consider some of the animal studies. They've actually done animal studies and have found that ricinoleic acid reduces pain and swelling. One study demonstrated that treatment with a gel containing ricinoleic acid led to a significant reduction in pain and inflammation when applied to the skin compared to other treatments. I mean, that's huge, right? And not only that, it can also has the potential to decrease inflammation, helping to relieve dry, irritated skin in those areas, so, i.e. our dogs and our cats that have allergic skin disease. In my opinion, this is a really good new alternative option for our animals that have arthritis and they have joint swelling. We can just be applying this directly to those inflamed, painful joints. Number five, it, it can help reduce dandruff, help treat skin infections, potentially even treat yeast. It has several qualities, for instance, that may help reduce acne. You know, feline acne is very common. Our dogs, they get similar skin infections. Inflammation is thought to be a factor in this, so applying castor oil to the skin may help reduce inflammation related to the symptoms. Castor oil has antimicrobial properties, so it may help fight bacterial overgrowth when applied to the skin. One test tube study found that castor oil extract showed considerable antibacterial power, inhibiting the growth of several bacteria, including Staph aureus. It can be effective against yeast. It's been shown to be helpful with people with candida, another type of yeast, so it may also be beneficial for our dogs to get these secondary surface skin infections. So yeast is so, so common as one of the secondary invaders when we get these dogs that have underlying allergies. So consider castor oil topically. We have very few really good topical over-the-counter options conventionally. So this is a real good natural option. Lastly, dandruff. I mean, it can be a huge problem for many dogs. The moisturizing and anti-inflammatory properties of castor oil make it an excellent option to keep the hair soft and hydrated and help reduce dandruff symptoms. What are some precautions to consider? Generally, it's safe. And what are some of the big adverse side effects? You're trying to treat, say, a dog or cat that is constipated, you give too much. So it really can cause some pretty big diarrhea, right? Yes, it's effective for constipation. So you're just giving it the appropriate dose and start small. Like I said, a half teaspoon per 10 pounds of body weight. Just do one dose and wait. If nothing happens in a 12-hour period, then follow up with a second dose. And in my opinion, I would do a maximum treatment, oral treatment for three days. What's the bottom line? People and pets have been using castor oil for thousands of years as a powerful natural treatment for a variety of health issues. It's been shown to relieve constipation, moisturize dry skin, among many other uses. I think it's just one other really new great arsenal to add uh, for our dogs and cats and for ourselves as a natural health remedy. Thanks you guys for listening to this edition of the Veterinary Secrets Podcast. This is Dr. Andrew Jones. This is Podcast 79. Questions or comments, feel free to send me an email at podcast.veterinarysecrets.com. You can also leave a comment after I, where I post this podcast, which is on my blog at veterinarysecrets.com forward slash blog. I love to hear your feedback. Thanks for listening. And once again, I look forward to talking to you again next week. This is Dr. Jones.